it's usually not a discussion of if you're going to have some sort of attack, it's when. Our clients rely on us to build their virtual fortress to protect their businesses from cybersecurity attacks. Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast presented by Generations Bank. I'm Luke Hannon. I'm Max Harrell. All right. Well, here we are with Mr. Ted Clouser, 501's finest. <laughs> uh, Ted, great to have you on today. Thanks, Max. Glad to be on. You know, Ted, we know you as, again, 501's finest, but also maybe <laughs> IT everything. You own a company called PCA Technologies, correct? Mm-hmm. PCA Technology Solutions, actually. P- PCA Technology Solutions. Yes, sir. Got to get that fourth word in there. <laughs> But no, um, now, I'm, I'm a little concerned though. There's only three words, Max. Three You're words. My banker, so I am a little concerned. <laughs> PCA. One. PCA being an acronym for. Yes. What is the PCA an acronym for? So that's a great question. So we're actually a 30 year old company and we were PC assistants. And ah. so when my wife and I bought the company in 2018, we actually rebranded the PCA Technology Solutions. We felt like it was a name that better described where we were headed, but we wanted to keep the roots of who we were. Okay. So, yeah, I just butchered <laughs> that all the way around. Um, so, so Ted, if you can just, you know, Luke and I have the fortunate ability to know you, but for those out there who don't, uh, could you just kind of give us a, a brief background on yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, uh, I've actually been in this industry for 30 years. Uh, our company is 30 years old, and I came... Uh, to join this company 28 years ago. So I actually grew up in central Pennsylvania on a dairy farm, right? All IT people should start on a dairy farm. <laughs> and, and and realized I needed to get off the farm because I couldn't fix anything and I couldn't grow anything. Um, and I had two older brothers. So at a pretty young age, I realized that uh, I was not going to be needed. And so I had to start thinking about other options. Um, and I just liked computers. Uh, I reference a lot of the time to people that are very musically talented. They can just pick up an instrument and make it work. And that's the way I was with computers. So at a pretty young age, I played games. I dealt with the, some of the financial things on our on our farm computer. And at school, uh, I was on the computer a lot. So I actually graduated high school at age 16 and started my own computer company in central Pennsylvania. And let me say... Uh, Max, you know, I've learned the value of a business plan because if you're starting a computer company in a predominantly Amish populated area that <laughs> does not have power, it's not a very smart business plan. <laughs> um, yeah. So within a year, I, I I was struggling. And so I decided to uh, go get employed uh, when I was 17 at a computer company at State College, which is the home of Penn State University. And uh, worked there for a year, built up a resume, and actually moved to Arkansas. I had a friend that lived here. And so I, I literally picked up with $400 to my name in my car. And I drove to Arkansas. And uh, that was 1996. And so I sent my resume out to every computer company in the Yellow Pages. Uh, that's the old internet. And uh, so I, I literally got interviewed by three companies. And I was hired by PC Assistance, which is the company I know today. Well, Ted... That's quite the story. <laughs> so you were hired. You you were hired at the company you're you're at right now. Yeah. So I was employee number four or five, and I was brought in to really just do break fix. Um, back then, uh, this company had an arrangement with, uh, uh, you know, just to be able to go in and replace modems and replace motherboards and things that 
um, was an opportunity for somebody like myself to just be able to go in and build uh, and take over. So I did that. Um, and then ultimately was just through the grace of God, able to really use some of my skills to help uh, grow the company um, to where we are today, where we've got over 30 employees and, and a footprint that's, that's nationwide. And anyway, just, uh, it's fun. I love every day of it. So Ted, I'm, I'm curious to go back and evaluate your, your business decision early on to uh, start up a, a technology company in the land of the Amish. Um, you, you might not have, I, I hope you did not apply for a loan, um, <laughs> at that time, because that one would have been tough to approve, I'd assume, but, it uh, wouldn't, you know, I, I used the old adage, uh, where I, I, uh, you know, tried to self fund through, um, you know, cash flowing. Uh, I really had three clients, um, and I would just ask them to prepay for equipment that they might purchase or things of that nature. And, uh, but I had to borrow them up. Uh, money from mom once and that lasts about 24 hours because she was already starting to charge interest. That so <laughs> was not going to work. No. <laughs> uh, she, uh, geez, what, what are they called? The usury rate. Uh, yes. I think the usury rate is, uh, no telling what it was at, at that time. Um, probably 13, 14%, something like That's that. exactly right. Yeah. So, so are, are you a Nittany line or are you a Razorback? Um, so it was tough a few years ago when the Razorbacks stumped them, but um, yeah, it's just all I knew growing up. So You'll have no, some guys no hesitation, no hesitation <laughs> yeah. to that. Before I could even finish the question, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You'll have great uniforms, just the classic of the white. One night, one Saturday night in my life, I want to attend a whiteout game so badly. Well, absolutely. The, have you been to a whiteout game or anything? Any of the games you know, I've up never there? been. I usually try to go to a game a year, and yeah. uh, last year I had tickets for the Ohio State game, and it was originally supposed to be a whiteout, but they changed it, and so I, I'm still still yeah. haven't had a chance to do it. So do they choose? They choose one game a year to gotta be dedicate a nice it. Night game. Okay. Yep. Got to be a night game. Yeah. It was Auburn. Uh, mm-hmm. Two two or three years ago, just a good. Early season, just a good old non-con. fashioned non-con <gasps> whiteout. Good broadcast. Time to take on the SEC. Kirk and Chris on the call. Yeah. yeah. Well, the hope would be maybe you know with the uh, with the uh, college football playoffs and with home field, if they could do <gasps> it, you know, be high enough, there could be a whiteout for the, yeah, for the playoffs. I mean, you finish second or third in the Big Ten, like you kind of mm-hmm. normally do. You'll mm-hmm. host the game, maybe. And mm-hmm. would you do two whiteouts in a season if that were the case? <laughs> I would hope is that, so. Is that in the bylaws? <laughs> Can you do more than you one? Know, uh, I'm not sure. This is all new territory, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you should check into that, you know, Ted, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> yeah. So when you're booking your tickets for next year. Um, there you go. I'll make some calls. Well, besides <laughs> being a fan of a winning football team um, or just a winning program in general, um, you know, you, you mentioned that you that you kind of developed a love for technology through you know an early early adoption or or playing uh, computer games. Uh, I'm very curious as to what those games were at that time, and uh, you know, did you become like a master at those things, or is there a local arcade? No, no, no. There was something called Police Quest. Um, and that was, that was my go-to, um, and police quest was you lived in the life of a police officer and you would move the person around in a map. But when you approached certain things, you had to type in what you wanted the person to do. And the key was, you know, 
you would essentially work your way through almost like a puzzle. Um, I do remember there were certain things I couldn't conquer and there there was a number you could call to get tips uh, that you had to pay for. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. So, there was no yeah, YouTube so, back then to no, walk you no, through no. how to beat the boss and all that. <laughs> That's Love called, that's called your in-app purchases is what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. And what's interesting is that, you know, I think I would say that probably taught me today because I had to humble myself to know, okay, I've got to ask for help. Yeah. And then in turn, because I was willing to ask for help, it actually allowed me to, to continue on. So I think that was a life lesson. And then the other one was obviously growing up on a, on a farm. I, I played Sim Farm. So oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> well, you, you should have needed no help for that. Um, yeah, still, right. You, you I still right couldn't grow anything that. there either. No, I still failed. <laughs> still, you couldn't grow virtual, anything virtually uh, or other. That's pretty good. Um, so PCA Technology Solutions. Did I get it right? Mm-hmm. You did. Thank you. Only three okay. words. Luke. <laughs> three words. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about where you guys are at today. I know you said you've been a part of the company for 30 years and... Um, you know, you said you had a nationwide footprint, but um, as far as what your bread and butter is over there, the clients that you serve and the the solutions that you offer, um, what does that look like for y'all? So we are actually what's called an MSSP, Managed Security Services Provider. Um, and we've been ranked the past three years worldwide. We're actually in the top 125 in the world in our space. Wow. And the, the easiest way I can describe that is that um, our clients rely on us to build their uh, virtual fortress. Um, and so we are essentially putting in the tools and technologies to protect their businesses from cybersecurity attacks. But we also have the ability to do testing and um, uh, you know exercises and tabletop exercises to be able to test and make sure that the things that we put in place actually work. So the majority of our clients in Arkansas are 100 employees or less, but now we're expanding. We actually were in Dallas last week and we're bringing in co-managed solutions that work with larger organizations where we can leverage some of our stack to help the IT team um, be able to deliver what they need to because we've got uh, we really we're very big on sports uh, here at PCA, so we talk a lot about being your technology coach. And so when we say you partner with us, we're bringing in the game plan that we believe is going to win. And so uh, we don't want to limit that to the businesses that are smaller. We want to be able to take in those same solutions to larger organizations. You mentioned that you guys had um, around 30 employees and and obviously it sounds like you've you've grown exponentially over the last uh, several years. Are most of those employees, uh, do they office in Little Rock? Are they kind of nationwide, worldwide? What, what is your employee, I guess, location or locale look like? We've actually got somebody preparing to move to Europe later this year. Um, so COVID changed everything, right? You know, beforehand, we were very office-centric. Um, you know, with technology, you could work anywhere, but we were very, um, you know, we felt very strongly that being together made us a better team. Well, when COVID happened, we didn't have a choice. And what we realized through that is obviously you have some efficiencies and you have some benefits of not requiring somebody to be together. Um, And technology, teams, meetings, things of even this nature, right? You and I haven't seen each other for a while, but in a sense, we're together right now. And it'll never be the same, but it helps you really take a look at the scenario and say, 
do we need to be in, in person or in the same route for this? So typically the answer is no. Um, we can we can do our jobs. And if we're all, you know, I, I liken it again to the sports analogy, right? If, if the uh, guard does their job, then we don't need to all get together and tell him what his role is. We just need to let him know what that next play is. Um, so we function that same way. And, you know, it's been very successful for us. And quite honestly, it's going to allow us to scale. Uh, but it also drives efficiencies. Um, you know, my goal is not to have a hundred people on the team. My goal is to have the right number of people to be able to care for the clients that are in front of us. So efficiency is essential for that. Yeah. Going back to kind of what y'all do, cybersecurity, without giving away too many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> the Pentagon secrets. Yeah. <laughs> what I guess it's a two-parter. What are the real risks? of cybersecurity that some people might not be aware of? And what are some things that whether you're a business owner or you are just a, a consumer, um, what are some things you can be practicing to protect yourself from attacks? Well, I would say the first and foremost primary risk are Luke, Max, and Ted. We are the problem, right? And hmm. so we're the biggest risk because we have to be careful of the things that we allow inside of our environment. Mm. Um, I, I use the analogy a lot. If you have your home protected with uh, a lock and you lock the door and you lock a deadbolt and you put on another lock up top and you have this high-end security system and you have cameras and lasers, man, that's four knocks. You're locked down. But if you turn off the alarm system, you shut down the lasers, you unlock all of those locks on the door and open it up and let them in, all of it's irrelevant. So we, as the users and the people that are clicking, are the final layer of protection. I think awareness, you know, to answer your other question is essential. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've gone, uh, we did a road show last year where we really were in front of organizations talking about um, email vendor compromise and just this new technique that, at the end of the day, you're literally communicating with a with a person and you're voluntarily sending them money. And it's just because they've tricked you into doing it. Um, so just again, awareness and helping people understand that these things happen. It's not a scenario where, well, that'll never happen to me. It's when it happens to me, I'll be prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and that brings up a good point of... Um, you know, how prevalent cybersecurity is uh, and how active, you know, the the attacks or the alerts are. Um, and many of us go by and have no idea, you know, what is actually going on. Um, and I'm sure you, you know that world to the nth degree more than we do. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we, we've had some discussion around is this balance between security and usability. Um, because I think you're finding um, maybe even a shift in generations that want the ultimate amount of usability, uh, ease of use. Um, you know, you call it what UX, UI, all the different right. you, you know acronyms there. Uh, but obviously, but there's a security piece that um, can often limit those functions. Um, and so I'm curious to, to know, like, you know, what your thoughts are um, about that balance or if that, if there even should be a balance there. Oh, there absolutely should be a balance. And I would say my answer today is probably far different than it would have been five or even 10 years ago. Uh, I really think we need to move towards a password, passwordless society. 
We need to be willing to essentially inventory our devices into a system that allow us to use what's called single sign-on. So that simply by looking at our device or by holding our device, we allow ourselves to open up uh, what we need to be able to constitute while not compromising security, right? So it's a sense of uh, if, if we have conditions in place that says uh, Max or Luke are going to be able to access this device from their cell phone in Fayetteville at 2.30 in the afternoon, and it meets all of these conditions. And oh, by the way, I've, I've seen their face with my device, so I know it's legit. You take up so many elements out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conditional access to me is key because now we set up the conditions that in which you would work and we're looking for anomalies. Um, now you're still that last piece, right? So if you somehow uh, answer the call and allow somebody to remotely connect to your device and whatever means that that's an important piece that I don't want to overlook, but technology can help us with the rest to accomplish that balance. You're talking. When you started, when you said a passwordless society, that's, I think that's the first time I'd heard that. It sounded kind of futuristic. And yeah. I would say we saw a little glimpse of the future this past week when Apple released its Apple yes. Vision Pro. And I've been listening to YouTubers talk about it. I've seen some people on Twitter comment on it. Have you seen this thing? Yeah. Yep. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, he's actually doing this interview with him on currently. <laughs> yeah, he, I wouldn't be surprised. He's working, he's working in another realm over here. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on it? You know, I uh, I don't want to not answer the question, but let me start by by changing the topic just slightly. Okay, I think AI changes everything for us, and I think in the next decade, it would not be unrealistic to me for us to be dealing with a very highly robotic society. So I say all that to say things of this nature that we're seeing with Apple releasing. And, and I can still remember Google Lens, which was probably a decade ago, Google yeah. Glasses, that didn't really take off. But everything Apple touches or everything Elon Musk touches tends <laughs> to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't put it past us really. Uh, well, let me just say this. I was talking to uh, somebody last week um, about a book I had just read. And again, reiterating that I think in a decade, uh, these things are real. If I call Generations Bank and you have um, someone who answers the phone and doesn't really know who I am and treats me nicely and tries to get me to the right place, that's a good experience. What if I could have AI answer your phone for me when I call, immediately know who I am because of my caller ID, talk to me about what I just posted on social media earlier today, all giving me the experience that is second to none and all being AI. How would that be? I'm out. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) We're close. We're very close. Information overload there. Um, So it would communicate with the entire internet and everything Ted Clauser and be able to, to know what to say to you is what you're saying. It could. You're certainly going to integrate it into your systems and you're going to allow it up. But, but the experience, again, right, what the, we all know that the way to help take care of our clients is to really make the story about them. And so if I'm calling in and you already are making the story about me, I'm already feeling open. I'm excited to be able to make this call and to talk to you. And for one, they didn't call in sick. And two, it's more information than we could dream of trying to teach one person. 
Because when I hang up the phone, your next customer calls and they get the same experience. We are not that far from that happening. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around. Ted, I know that there's a large demand for what you do. How is the supply of people in your field? Are you asking him how competitive his field is? Competitive and what the demand is as well, yeah. I would say that they're, they're, uh, because of automation and because of the ability to scale, um, I think we've got plenty of uh, capable organizations that can take care of the need. I think the challenges are really those that might not be equipped uh, that try to try to do it. And then secondly is just educating people of the need and the risk. Um, you know, it's interesting. Somebody uh, told me today they were reading a book. And for us, we think about our clients, uh, IT needs 95% of the time of what we do. Think about it. You know, we run our business, but really our core is thinking about our clients. And they really only think about IT 5% because they've got HR and they've got all of these other things in the factor. And so we have to really make sure that that 5% attention they give is exceptional. And so we can help them drive efficiencies. We can keep them secure because we want to continue to coach and educate that at the end of the day, if you have a breach and you're not secure, all the arrest is irrelevant. And not everybody's really bought into that. I think, unfortunately, some of these mass attacks with Colonial Pipeline, things of that nature that really hit the news, help people understand. But it's usually not uh, a discussion of if you're going to have some sort of attack, it's when. In fact, you and I are probably getting attacked right now. And the hope would be that we have firewalls and all the layers of protection in place to, to not be a risk, but that's just the world. Who's, who's, who's doing this? Who's out There's there? It's like... nation state. It, it is nation state. I mean, Russia and China uh, are incentivized to take out American businesses. Hmm. But other, you know, it's just big money. There's a lot of money. You know, back when I started, it I thought of it as vandalism. You'd get a virus and it was like somebody coming and spray paint your wall. Hmm. Graffiti. Now it is a billion dollar business. Wow. Billion. It's a crazy analogy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> paint uh, over spray paint. <laughs> you can't you yep. can't fix what the what we, they can well, do. Well, you're talking about competing, right? You can't compete with a billion dollar industry. Yeah. Um, you it's know. And it's so um, now they're looking for low hanging fruit. Um, but that the automation and the AI allows their job to really be even easier. So it's going to continue to be a battle for the good guys. Yeah. The bad guys. So I would like to take that point and run with that for just a second. All right. Sure. Obviously, chat GPT is kind of, it's kind of waned as the new and exciting thing, but it's still very much there and relevant. Um, but the impact of AI, we just, you discussed it a little bit, uh, but just the impact of AI um, and where it will continue to go. You know, you hear the stories about people, you know, um, artists specifically getting really worried about how somebody can imitate their work. Um, you know, I think that there was even a, uh, there's been AI attempts at, um, you know, cloning someone's voice for lack of a better way to say that and calling up and, you know, imitating them. And so what are your thoughts on, you know, just general impact of AI uh, within the context of cybersecurity? It makes the, it makes defending it a lot harder because now you're going against automation and the only way to beat automation is with automation. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was listening to some of your old podcasts and you talked about when, when the writer's guild 
when there were some of the challenges and the strikes and, and you talked about chat GPT. I think y'all even wrote that story, um, yeah. which, you know, like you said, wasn't necessarily a bestseller, but it was, but it was a great <laughs> intriguing story um, yeah. that took you just a couple of keystrokes and yeah. chat GPT uh, really was in my opinion, just a very, very small piece of AI that was unleashed into the world to sort of give people um, an understanding of what we could begin to do. That is, chat GPT is not AI. Uh, it is just a lever, a tool to leverage some of the AI capabilities. Yeah. So we, uh, we've already been using AI and been using AI for years to, def- to battle um, what used to be really human-based attacks. And now we're, we're just having to double down because now we're going against robotics. Man, automation versus automation. This is like <laughs> the amounts of warfare that we're that yeah. we've discussed. I feel like you're Morpheus telling me about yeah. this other realm yeah. where there's a war going on there's that a, I have no idea what's the yeah, I the, can't see it. The AI battleground. You. Take the blue pill. We're like playing battlefield and you're just sending, you know, <laughs> yeah. A six yeah. and hoping to hit. <laughs> so uh well that's neat. Well, Ted, um, gosh, you this is this has been fantastic. Yeah, um, I've got, I've got one more question for you, Ted. I know just from speaking to you today, I know we, we've met one other time previously, but you're a leader at your company. Uh, you're a leader of people, and I can you know just tell that that's something you're passionate about. Um, just through our conversation, and you're passionate about what you do. So, what is just this isn't a leadership podcast necessarily, but we interview a lot of people who are great leaders. What would you say, um, you know, when you look at yourself as a leader, what would you say um, is the one thing that has turned you into somebody who can care for his employees and just lead people well? You know, I would I would go back to, to my statement of being a man of faith. I mean, uh, to me, the two greatest commandments are love God, love others. And, and this, in a sense, is my ministry inside of this organization, these 30 families. Um, they're watching me. Um, they're they're looking at if I live the way that I say, and I take that really seriously. And I think that the best thing I can do is to serve them, to care for them, to be there for them. And um, you know, one of the most impactful books I ever read was The Five Love Languages, and just understanding that we all have an innate desire to be valued, and everybody is is valued in different ways. And so we spent a lot of time here in this organization trying to get to know people. Um, we, you know, even though we have 30 people, we have a whole uh, focus and have for years on on the HR side, the people experience side, uh, because we believe so passionately about the fact that we are going to be a better organization if our team feels that they are a part of something, if they feel that they're cared for, if they know that we'll go to bat for them. They're not just a number. Us and I just think that's important as a leader. Uh, people, people will, um, people represent you better than you could imagine if you're serving them. So that's just my approach. All right, Ted, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Fire <Fired> up! up. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be the division of iPhone management. Perfect. Oh, fantastic! Um, <laughs> not qualified. Starting at salary all. is a dollar an hour. <laughs> working, <laughs> working for tips. Yeah. Uh, hey, that, that could work. Yeah, commission based, man. Let's do it. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> always looking for side gigs. No, um, 
No, Ted, we, we really can't thank you enough for hopping on and the insights that you provide. So we appreciate it. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like this episode, please leave a five-star rating and drop a review. Follow us on our socials, which can be found in the show notes below. We will catch you next time.